I just came right now from a, a Zoom um, webinar about um, about the vaccine, about the two different vaccines that are now um, available. Um, and it was specifically really uh, trying to, I guess, do some PR. It was Mount Sinai uh, Hospital, like a team from Mount Sinai Hospital, like the CEO and some cardiologists, infectious disease doctors who were trying to convince do some outreach to the Orthodox community on the East Coast to convince them that they should take the vaccine because there's a lot of skepticism in the world right now. And, and unfortunately, um, like many communities, they are somewhat susceptible to conspiracy theories and people are very cautious about taking the vaccine. So they want to do some outreach. It's an interesting conversation that they were having. But one thing in particular struck me. So there was a doctor, uh, his name is Dr. Jeffrey Vander. And I, I've been seeing his name on all the trials. He, he's, he's like, he's published on, he's doing a lot of the plasma work. So I keep on seeing his name on all the, the trials for plasma treatments. And um, so he says, you know, you have to recognize people keep on saying that we're acting hypocritical because we're changing our guidance from what it was initially when the, when the virus first hit. You have to understand we're not being hypocritical. It is a novel coronavirus. It is a coronavirus that we've never seen anything like it before. So what we told you then was based on the information that we had at hand then. And that information has changed. Said in truth, I think what the medical community has learned is we've been humbled because we thought that we knew everything. And what we learned with this disease is we really did not know everything and science had not conquered. Even the humble coronavirus, we're not able to figure out a solution for until you know a lot, a lot of work and a lot, a lot of people had to suffer before they could figure out the solution. So the lesson that I took out from here is to remember that nothing is, uh, we don't really control everything, but that science cannot be stopped because of how quickly they came with the solutions and because of how incredibly quickly, which is unprecedented, that they were able to manufacture and test a vaccine, you know, completely unprecedented. I was just hoping that he would have said, I learned from here that we have to rely on God, but um, he's not coming to, uh, to our class. So he so. Yeah, so let's see, we were up to the footnote number three. And footnote number three is continuing the conversation about describing how we are called to be B'Tselem Elohim in the likeness of God and B'Dmus Elohim, and also in a uh, appearance of God. And therefore we are called upon to act with justice and love. Okay, so if you turn to page 63, act with justice and love, the footnote. The point that the author makes here is that since we can know God only through his actions and not by trying to grasp his essence, we can come close to God only by living a life of actions that follow his ways. Rabbi Shamshim Rafaulahar stresses this point in letter 17 in opposition to the viewpoint of the philosophers who seek closeness to God through contemplation and meditation and who consider mitzvot the right kind of actions only a preparation and one that could in theory be bypassed if you do the proper contemplation and meditation. This is actually something which, this was actually another point that was actually part of the early dispute between the Hasidim and the Litvaks, where, or the Misnagdim, where the Misnagdim took the viewpoint, we have to do the mitzvos and that's it. There's nothing to talk about. We do the mitzvos because we do the mitzvos, And there's no thought that there's a way to connect to God in any way other than through doing his mitzvot and through learning his Torah. Whereas the Hasidim would talk about the idea of hitbodidut. Hitbodidut means to go be alone with yourself, right? The boded in Hebrew means being alone, right? 
So Hitbodidut means to go be alone with yourself and meditate. And through meditating, achieve some level of transcendental experience where you can connect in a deeper fashion with God. This is something which Hasidut is very, it's very important to Hasidut, and in particular to the Breslov Hasidim, right? And when I say Breslov, I mean the, the real Breslov. I don't mean who, what we think of when we hear Breslov. Sometimes we think of people dancing on top of cars, but that's not what Breslov really is at all. And by the way, Dima Barsky, who's on, on the call with us, is might be a direct descendant of Rabbi Nachman from Breslov. We're not sure yet. So he can speak for, for, for Breslov to some extent, as far as I'm concerned. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is, in terms of trying to conceive of ways in which to connect to God, Rabbi Hirsch would say, I am focused on connecting to God through the mitzvahs. That is my focus. Meditation is not going to serve as any sort of substitute for the mitzvahs. That is not to say that Hasidus believe that you can take away the mitzvahs. But there were certain elements in which they would say certain specific halachic details can sometimes be negated if it's going to stand in the way of creating a deeper connection with God. And specifically what I'm thinking about is there's a certain halacha that you have to pray three times a day, right? And in that halacha, there are three specific time periods in which you have to pray. And the way the Shulchan Aruch, our main hand book, tells us is you have to pray in the morning before the fourth hour of the day. And the early Hasidim would say, if I'm not yet prepared to pray, because I have not yet achieved a state of meditation, a state in which I can really connect with God, I will pray past the time period in which the Shulchan Aruch says to pray. And this was something that the Vilna Gaon was incredibly opposed to. So this is yet another example of where Rav Hirsch would probably fall out more on the Misnagid or Litvish scale than on the Hasidic scale. Because as we said yesterday, he cannot be put into any sort of context. Since God's world is built primarily on loving kindness, man's duty to follow God and imitate his ways is discharged in the first place by doing acts of kindness. It was love which God desired to be your highest mission, your mark of perfection. He set himself before you as a model and said, follow after me in love. This is a quote from our verse. And just as the one aspect of God which you can behold everywhere always is his activity. And this activity is nothing but love. So let the goal of your striving after God be love. Okay. So what he's trying to say is our attitude towards others has to be grounded on and based on a concept of our attitude towards others and our attitude towards this world should be based on the attitude of God. And the attitude of God is one of love. The way in which we see God's presence manifested in the world is through his activities. And those activities are love. However, Rabbi Hirsch maintains that just as God's loving providence expresses itself in love and justice, so man's exercise of love too must be tempered and circumscribed by his pursuit of strict justice. The way to love leads only through justice, according to Hirsch. Thus, chesed and gvura are fundamental to man also, as they must interact with him in the right manner in order to produce the needed result. So he's going to actually now get into a little bit more detail about what that means, right? But it's clear he is not some making the argument for like free love or any sort of, you know, love everyone and, and that's going to solve all the problems of the world. That is not what he's saying at all. This interaction applies, first of all, to man's self-development. The quality of love involves giving and doing, and it is a vital obligation. 
But there is also a need to hold back and weigh our actions, to subdue and break our inclinations, to demand of ourselves and to concentrate on what we must do for our own perfection. In other words, what he's describing is like this. If you come to a concept of, I approach life with love, and I do not, I also include myself in the love. So therefore, I have self-love. And self-love could then mean I don't have to temper any of my material pursuits because I have self-love. And I can indulge because I have self-love. So it's important to recognize that there is a tremendous aspect of gehura, which we said earlier means the ability to set boundaries and the ability to set restrictions in one's life. And that's also critical to actually interacting together in that, with these two things together to actually achieve what we're put in this world to achieve. Okay. Let's stop. Well, let's go a tiny bit further, actually, because it's at the end of the paragraph. Indeed, it has been said that the foundation of din, the elimination of evil, is the basis of all of man's service to God. According to the Vilna Gaim, man is called upon to express chesed through limitless striving for spiritual advancement and to express gibura through the rigorous restraining of physical and material desires. Both of these qualities are needed in our service of God. The so Vilna Gaim says something very interesting. He says, when we talk about the love that we were going to be doing as God does love, we should think of that in terms of our limitless, without any limitations at all, striving for spiritual advancement. And as we know, spiritual advancement does not necessarily mean purely in terms of my own spiritual advancement, in terms of my own thought process, in terms of my own personal mitzvot. It also entails being concerned for someone else's physical advancement is also included in my own spiritual advancement. And that should be completely without limits. However, when we talk about the quality of Gehura, the quality of being able to set boundaries, being able to set restrictions, that should be in terms of setting restrictions in terms of your material and physical involvement with this world. Okay, we continue tomorrow on Zos Hanukkah, on the last night of Hanukkah, which maybe we'll spend some time tomorrow discussing special high levels at the very last night of Hanukkah.